Let's begin by being united in prayer and joining together in praying. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock. You are our redeemer. Amen. So I don't think we've got any student and teacher combinations here. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, homeschooling, you definitely do. So, all right. Uh, but other than that, right, nobody is a teacher and you have a student in your classroom here, I don't think, with our educators. Other than homeschoolers, sorry, guys. Uh, everybody else, that should at least uh, kind of break the awkwardness of this. But now I can ask you the question. You guys are going to get it. Who's your favorite teacher? When you got it, just give me a little look with your eyes. Let me know. You know who it is. You've got the picture of the person. You know their name. You don't have to answer. But just give me a little look when you got it. Okay, I think I'm seeing most people here. Well, that didn't take very long, did it? I bet in that little space, I bet you probably even knew number one. And maybe you got to number two and maybe you got to number three as you're thinking these things through. I bet you probably got there, right? All it takes is a few seconds and you know this person is at the top. How'd you decide? Why were, why was that person your favorite? What put them up there? Was it their teaching style? Was it the care that they had for you? The reason that you actually looked forward to their class and you just dreaded all the other classes. Was it the lasting impact that they had on you that keeps going till today? Was it the way that they helped you see your potential in yourself and, and see yourself as someone with all of that potential? Was it all the things that they did for you and for any other student that went above and beyond? Whatever it was, there's some reason why they're up here at number one. It wasn't this random guess that you had a list and, and you just kind of put your finger up there and, oh, they might be the best. Something about your teacher and who they are and what they did. You have real reasons why you picked that one person out of everybody that's taught you. I think that's why it would be pretty shocking to be a part of this group of Christians in this church in Corinth and to hear how Paul moves on from the foolishness of the cross being the center of Christianity to the next topic and how he kicks it off in this chapter, in chapter 3. Paul starts by calling them a bunch of big babies. But this is not some sort of elementary school insult that's going on here. No, he paints the picture that these people are spiritual babies. That they are infants, that they've been infants, that they're still infants, that they can't get anything more. Just a bunch of babies. This would have stung. Because this church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul, awesome teacher with Jesus, he'd been there for a year and a half before this, teaching them face to face and in person. Other missionaries came in after Paul and kept the teaching and the learning going after this, and Paul calls them a bunch of babies. So this is where we start. There is this clear dividing line. 
You guys are a bunch of babies. You're making the gospel look bad because of how much you don't know. And we can't even start to talk about what you don't know because you're not even close to it. This kind of dividing line that chapter 3 begins with, this is the lack of unity that you just want to look away from because it's too ugly to watch all the kind of fighting words that are there. The Office has been a show that's a favorite of ours for a long time. I love it. The characters, I should look around too. I see other smiles. This is good. The characters in The Office are pretty fun. The dialogue is great. The unspoken premise of the show kind of leaves this cliffhanger going from week to week to week that keeps interest. And I know. Okay, so some of this is me and my generation, and this is the show that I grew up with a little bit. But The Office has this secondary superpower to it. This show can make you cringe like nothing else. The writers and the producers had this awesome way of pushing you outside of your comfort zone as the viewer and keeping you far outside your comfort zone, even through the commercials in, the, in an episode. It's one of my favorite shows all time. Watched it, I don't know, 10 times all the way through. And there are still episodes that are so hard to watch. Just one of those, and I'm not going to spoil too much about it, but one of those moments centered on the, dis, the unspoken disunity that was there in the group and then how it was forced out into the open. If you know The Office, you can picture the inept boss, Michael. And Michael decides that he's got the great idea. He's going to reveal all the personal complaints that the workers have against each other that they submitted anonymously. He's going to open the box and he's going to read them out loud for everybody to hear. So he does. He opens the box and then one by one he starts reading these complaints of person against person and it just feels awful. Ugh. Friend has backstabbed friend relationships just get shattered. The people in the office have never been this divided before. There's this clear line in the sand and any unity that existed before this is absolutely gone. Now that group is just divided between the people that they like and now all of the people that talk trash about them. Divisions can be pretty compelling for a sitcom. Pretty interesting episode. Cringy, but compelling. But in real life, divisions are the worst. They're why Paul calls out the Christians in Corinth, and he starts by calling them a bunch of big babies. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? The believers there went too far with their favorites. The church then shattered into these smaller groups, grouped together by whom they liked the most as their leader, and anybody outside of a small group was treated like the enemy. Just like last week where we started, it's obvious that this church and these people have some problems with unity. And I think something that can be said and kind of needs to be said is there is nothing wrong with having a favorite. 
if God blesses your relationship with a specific person, thank God for that connection. Because we've all got different talents and abilities and perspectives and lives that we lived. And we're going to connect more easily with some people than other people. But the problem is the dividing line, and it comes just one half step further after that. And just like the cringiness of that episode of The Office, you can feel when divisions are here. When disagreements turn into bitterness. When talking face-to-face with people turns into just talking behind people's backs when they won't know. When issues of the past are not left in the past and they're brought up years later. When you hear how somebody doesn't feel welcomed or like they can be a part of this church and what we want this church to be. We got to understand that the devil is working nonstop to divide us and to break us apart because he knows that when we're divided, nothing's going to get done. And it's your gut reaction when you see these things in yourself or you hear about it from other people just to cringe. Because disunity in real life based on favorites or people, that looks ugly. But thank God that he uses Paul not only to call out sin as sin, like he had to do, but to share the foundational unity, this truth that brings divided and divisive sinners actually back together. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. This was really personal for Paul, too. He realized he had been getting in the way. The other pastor that came after him, Apollos, was too. So God makes it clear people are nothing. He's the one who does everything. If there is any spiritual growth or good stuff going on, it's all God. And then God builds on this and he starts by revealing the unity between the different leaders themselves. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. You can hear it. These pastors, the leaders at this church, were united in their mission. The mission to share Jesus broke through all the divisions and all the cringiness to reveal what each and every pastor and leader there had been about the whole time, the foundational Christian truth that Jesus Christ is everything we need. So then, he continues, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours. 
whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, Peter, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours because you are of Christ. Christ is of God. This foundational truth that we have everything we need in Jesus. This is what's going to break down all the dumb barriers that we build between each other. Christ has already given us everything. He died for all sins, all people, all time. So that includes you and all of yours. His forgiveness is really yours, and it's apart from your work. It's God's gracious gift to you. Christ is the one who connected you to God And because you have everything that you already need, you know you're forgiven. Your future in heaven is certain and solid, something to build on top of. Anybody else know Ted Lasso? But yeah, a couple hands. Watch it. I can admit that this is a show that I haven't watched a ton of, maybe an episode or two. Uh, But all the clips, the little clips that I've watched of this show, I've loved because Ted Lasso is a TV show that just kind of spills over with positivity and encouragement. Millions of people love this show and watch the show and they're all about this show. And I think just from even knowing a little bit, I don't think I've ever seen another TV show that's like it. It ended a couple weeks back. So I got to watch some of the ending clips of this show and now it makes me want to go back to the beginning and start and watch the whole thing through. One of the last scenes of the show reveals how important unity was for the whole concept of the show and the team and it's a big theme that runs through all of it you see ted the guy that's on the screen ted is a european soccer club manager and his team has gone from like the worst of the worst to being pretty good and i think everybody agrees that it's his influence his leadership, his positivity rubs off on the organization and in the end, because of him, it becomes this awesome powerhouse. Well, one of the last tiny subplots that they wrap up at the end of the show is that there was this reporter and writer that was kind of following the team as the team was building and changing and uh, watching the journey as it was going on. So he's coming up with this draft of a book And it's going to be all about the team and how they went from awful to eh, not so bad. And and really, it's going to be all about Ted. You can see the draft of this book. It's laying on a table. And the title of it there, it's The Lasso Way, because it's Ted and Ted's positivity and Ted's leadership and all of the good things that Ted has done. And and then you see he gave it to Ted uh, just as... uh, a review for Ted to look through, make sure things are good and and all in there. And it's just so cool. On it, you see a couple comments. You just see, great job. And then under that, you see, I'd change just one thing, one small suggestion, change the title. It's not about me. It never was. And it's an awesome full circle that reveals the influence and the reason why Ted was such a great leader and why the team came together because it's not about a person. It was about the unity between them. It's that kind of talk that only comes from a place where Ted has everything that he needs so that based on his solid foundation, he can just be outwardly focused on bringing other people together too. Thank God. 
our foundation is solidly on Jesus and his forgiveness and knowing that we have everything that we need in him, we're forgiven, we're loved, we're valued and important to God, and through that good news that God gives us, that solid foundation, God changes us from divisive and divided people to people who are together based on Jesus and not personality or teaching style or similar strategies or leadership styles or even agreement on direction based on Jesus. We know all of those things are going to come and go, but the unity we have in Jesus breaks through all of the divisions and it brings us back together as people who are united in him. Can I end with a little test to see where you're at uh, at the end of the sermon versus the beginning of the sermon? You ready for it? Who's your favorite pastor? All right, I know I'm setting you up a little bit here. And again, we can admit it's okay to have one. Right? You are going to have unique connections with different people. You can rightly think about the blessings that come through specific people that God puts into your lives. But you guys laugh because you know that's not really the question, is it? Who'd your favorite pastor point you to? Who's more important for you than any pastor is ever going to be for you? Any leader in our church either? Thank God that you have a better foundation than a human being. But I can also promise you that every spiritual leader here that you have now or will have or had in the past will tell you the exact same thing. It's all about Jesus. He'll keep us together and built on him. We can't help but be united. Amen.